Welcome to the Gathering at Adele's Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy today's message by our associate pastor, Brady Sandlin. God bless. All those other things are ancillary and important, but the primary is that you're filled with the Holy Ghost and with love. off the distraction of all the electronics and we want to come back to the heart of the matter that if you feel that there's something amiss in your life it's probably time that you come and get so immersed the, the Bible says that there is a river that flows under the throne from the heart of the lamb from the throne that runs through the nations that the leaves are for the healing of the nations there's a baptism in that world So I just want to open that up, that if you feel that there's something amiss in your life and you, you may be like the, the poor young slave or the rich young ruler who says, man, I've done, I've done everything. But what else do I need to have salvation? If there's something amiss in your life, just I want to raise your hand. I know it's, it's not what we normally do, but I, laying on the hands is a biblical matter. It takes one son coming out to a lost son and goes, welcome home. And I'm going to touch you and everything that's in me, I want it to inflow to you so that you never have to be a wandering son again. So if, you, if there's a fresh baptism of the Holy Spirit, of the Holy Ghost in you that you want, even if you've done it before and you just say, look, I know that there's more, raise your hand and I want to surround all these people here this morning and just... Pray out, call out the Holy Spirit to come and fill them once again anew and afresh. We pray an awakening of the light of the Holy Spirit on our children right now. They come awakened to the knowledge of the, G of the Lord of Jesus Christ. our hearts again this morning, Jesus. You're holding nothing back from us. And now we in turn say that we will hold nothing back from you. It's yours anyway. the finisher. 
good work in us is faithful and just to finish it. On this side of heaven, in the land of the living, you're ministering over somebody, y'all just stay in that vein. I don't want to ruin it. And let's keep the lights low. I just... Jesus, we love you. Open our hearts and our ears. We love you, Jesus. Sorry, I'm just trying to listen real quick. Okay. Um, let's go into, uh, let's cover the announcements real quick as I get my stuff. Um, uh, man. Mm. Man. Uh, guys, we want... We really felt like the Lord, uh, as a staff, has called us to uh, try to meet more than just on Sunday morning. So we're going to start having Wednesday nights, um, having opportunity to gather together, love on each other, learn more about what Holy Spirit's doing in our lives. Um, and so starting this Wednesday night, if you don't know, uh, we're going to just gather together and just pursue him more we'll have stuff for the kids we'll have stuff for adults youth it's going to be an ongoing process in that I think that we have some ideas of where we're going but I think Holy Spirit's going to transform what it looks like in the end does that make sense so Bear with us a little bit. Sometimes starting something up is not always as fluid as we want it to be. But uh, we just want to pursue him more and just see where that goes. Because I don't think you can ever be really wrong if we're aiming at his eyes. Right? Um, 
So Wednesday night, come join us uh, this Wednesday night. So uh, Quivers, uh, Lisa Ware has a ministry that is going to have a play date for, uh, for little kids and moms Friday at 930 at Marshall Park. If you need more information for that, find uh, Brianna, Kelly, Amy, somebody else who knows a lot more about Quivers than I do. Um, just because I'm not the mom who takes the kids. So, uh, but anyway, it's what I love about the ministry is it's just trying to encourage moms and kids to find. Once again, I mean, here's the deal. For our house, we just want to lo- love him more and love each other more like a family, right? That's been the passion and the heart of the church since we took it over is just to be a family. And it's hard to be a family not ever spending time with people. Right, And I can bear the burdens of your kids whenever they may not do everything that my kids would do, right? If I know you and I know your kids more, right? So my kids are sometimes energetic in ways. Um, But when we get to know each other, grace abounds a lot more. There will be a volleyball night September 16th. Uh, from 3 to 6 p.m. So we call it a night. That was one of the discussions in our uh, our staff meeting was it's a night afternoon. Night's a little bit weird on the 16th. So we're going to have it. We're calling it a night. But it'll be in the afternoon from 3 to 6. Come, enjoy, bring food. We'll have water, I'm sure, and probably some drinks. But just come and fellowship once again. It's just more opportunities to try to get together know each other, love on each other, and not have to be just sitting in a chair seeing people's faces and not being able to interact with each other. Uh, and then the last one is a we do an annual camp out with the Gathering Global. We have a house in Brock uh, that we, we branched off from that we've been a part of for years. The family movement was that we have a camp out where we can just get outside the walls of the church, get together, Spend a couple nights around fires, around food, just enjoying each other. It's been a blast. Several of you have been a part of it. If not, I want to encourage you that you have the opportunity. Let's dive into that together. Uh, so the campout's actually going to be out close to Morgan Mill. If you need some more information, we have flyers out in the foyer for that. And then if for whatever reason you can't find the flyers, come and find some way on staff. We will help get that there. Everybody good with that? Good. Okay. I just, I want to start off and just bring, we've said it before, but there's a currency in the, in the kingdom of honor. That it's translatable. The more honor that you pour out, the more equity that it actually comes into your account. So as a house of honor, it's, it's right and true that I just want to honor Jeff and Lauren. I know he's not here, and I know that he would kind of be embarrassed about it. If you know Jeff at all, with all the strengths, and he has one or two little weaknesses, it's rare that you find a man whose heart burns for a house like this. right? So no matter whether he is right on the mark, Whether I agree with him, I know that at the end of the day, his heart burns for you, Kelly and Eric, 
their heart burns for you. Brian and Trenton, their heart burns for you. And so I just want to honor our staff because it's not often that I get to get up here and do that. Y'all don't get to see the back end of where we are in our, our meetings. And so I just, I want to honor them. Most of them are not in here. But they love you with a passion. And so I just, uh, it's a joy to serve with people who believe the best in this house. And all of our shortcomings are all because we desire to love each other more in our own way, right? So, uh, with that, Jeff was sick. He is healed now. I'm excited to hear a report from him. Um, But until we hear from him, we'll kind of transition forward. So, Jeff is going to be teaching on Galatians this morning. I feel that I don't really want to go into Galatians because I feel like he's already prepared that and I feel like he's supposed to do that. So what talking with Holy Spirit is, I want to give a little bit of backdrop to Paul or Saul to give a little bit of mindset and clarity whenever Jeff's back next week where it helps us understand where Paul's heart and nature is for the movement forward with Galatians. Does that make sense? Um. So there is a, uh, a commentary uh, by a guy by the name of Dr. Simmons. He says, Galatians is heaven's freedom book. That was what he kind of, at the synopsis of, of reading it, understanding it, is heaven's freedom book. This grace gospel brings heaven's freedom into our lives, freedom to live for God and serve one another, as well as freedom from religious bondage. We can thank God today for Paul's gospel as still being preached in heaven's freedom is available to every believer. We are free to soar even higher than keeping the religious law. We have a grace righteousness that places us at the right hand of the throne of God. Not as servants, but as sons and daughters of the Most High. Right, so as we get into that, It's this thing of Jesus, we are not Jesus, right? We all know that. But there's this separation that we have in us through years and years of doctrine and theology and and movements. And and there's a lot of back and forth back with, you know, the the foundation of the written Bible and everything else that we we somehow have, have created this huge chasm between... God being the God that we find in Job, somehow this overlording God who's just mad all the time, angry, we can't do anything right, he's waiting, hoping to smite us. He's just he's asking for somebody, please give me a reason to do it, right? Then all of a sudden Jesus comes along, begs and pleads God for mercy on our behalf. He is somehow this, this really, really vengeful God and goes, fine, I'm going to whip the snot out of my son tear him apart because of us. Holy Spirit's thrown in there somewhere, and we don't really know about him, but he's mentioned, so we have to include him in the Trinity. And then it's us, this lowly cast of of dirt. None of it's really biblical, but somehow we found this, this chasm that separates so far from us being able to be close enough to Jesus and us. The heart of the matter is, as we start diving into it, 
Jesus, the, the word says that Jesus is the exact representation of, of the Father. So when we go looking for God, and, and we've taught on this before, when we go looking for God or the nature of God, we cannot go back to the Old Testament without taking Jesus with us. Because he's the exact nature. The whole Bible is Christocentric. It's completely surrounded by Jesus. So if we go back trying to find God or his nature, how it applies to my life, why is my bank account going low, why am I sick, why do I have things going wrong in my life, and I go back and I look at Job, it's not the same thing because it's not the same God that's represented in Jesus. If you can't find the God that you're seeing in the Old Testament without Jesus, you, you need to question it. We have to take Jesus back with us and go, I understand what I'm reading, but where are you in relation with this? So whenever we start reading about God and, and with Israel and he's upset with Israel, if we start looking at Jesus and we start going, well, maybe the whole thing was, was love. And love was, was burning his heart for his people, not this angry, mad God. Y'all following that? He's not mad with us. It's the same love that he has for Jesus, he has for us right now, currently, before you repent of your sin. It's the same love. And it's a hard pill to swallow. It's a hard pill to swallow because sometimes we have to go, but now I've got to erase everything that I was brought up with. And we're confronted with this, this, this thought of, what do I do with a Jesus who loves me unconditionally and is near to me than a, the Holy Spirit now is nearer to me than a brother. How am I going to confront that with the Bible that I was, I was brought up with? And there starts becoming a chasm internally that we have to make a decision, I'm not going to cross over that water again, or headlong, I have to believe that there's something better than what I've been brought up with. And I know this is going to challenge you, and I'm trying to stay well within my... Uh, my borders here, okay? So just journey with me a little bit. <clears throat> if we don't believe that he's love, what else is he? Because if I don't see his wrath as love, it's just wrath. Right? If I don't see his pouring out of blessings on, on, on someone else, I'll see it as him withholding from me. But his love is for his children. I can't love my oldest girl and look at my youngest girl and go, man, I'm sorry, you came a couple years late. I can't. Right, But unfortunately in the church, this is what we do. We go, you had it first and you came along later and you can't have as much as they do now. It's not the God that we see modeled in Jesus. And if he's the exact representation of the Father, we then have to go back and find everything that we know about the Father through Jesus. Don't go backwards without taking him with you. Wasn't even where I was going this morning. Um, so I wrote something last week, and, and I'm getting to Paul. I'm just there's there's a backdrop that we're trying to, to create here. 
I wrote something last week, and, and we, we were running on this theory of God is good, he's good, he's good. Which is true, but Jesus looks at a guy and says, he says, good teacher, and he says, why do you call me good? Right, because I can be good and not God. So we have to establish internally who this God is because just because I'm good, I can be a good father, but it doesn't mean that I'm God. And what the, what the, the young man was coming to Jesus with, he said, look, I, you're good. You do good things. You heal people, right? But are you everything that you say that you are? And it's hard for us to grasp this fact. My apostle, he says, God's, God's isness is love. The thing that makes up the, the molecules between the DNA pattern in the void of the, of the, the nether, in the, the microcosm there, is love. The smallest particle of God in, in whole is love. You cannot separate the two. He can't be wrathful in love without love. He's just mean without it. And he's not a mean God. So I was writing, it's this thing of for God so good the world? Or is it for God so loved the world? Whatever reason, we're afraid to believe that he is love and he loves us. And it has to get reconciled. And I don't know that there's ever going to be a point in my life where I'm not going to continue down the road of how loved I am by him. Because every time that I think that I'm coming closer to it, every time that I, I realize that, okay, I finally understand that I'm as loved as Jesus is by the Father, let's move on. All of a sudden something comes up and I go, my God, I didn't know that, that was in me still. Right, And there's a daily crucifixion of the old man that's in me. And I believe that the old man, we were taught, at least for me, the old man is sinful, is, is, is you know, disgusting, is wayward. All those things may be true. For me today, the old man is the man that doesn't believe that I'm as loved today as I was yesterday. That I want to go back and go, okay, well, maybe, I'm, I'm, maybe there's a limit to his love. And so there, there's this analogy that we can, we can understand his love and volume of water can be measured real simply in two different ways, right? We can have a mile wide and an inch deep. Or we can go a mile deep and an inch wide. It's the same volume. The difference is, is that the one that's on the surface will stagnate very, very quickly. The other has life that as the deeper you go down, yes, there's more pressure. But there's more and more in abundance life, and there's more and more to discover as we go deeper into it. If all of the message for me to my kids, as I model the Father to them, if all they know of me is, man, my dad may be very, very limited in what he does, but he loves me and he tries to love me deeper today, going deeper into his love for us. I think this, I can be a success as a dad just going, look, how deeply can I love you today? Because it's an overflow of how deeply I know of his love for, for me today. Y'all getting this? Okay. So, Paul. Kind of mentioned a little bit earlier that Paul was a zealot. He was a, a Jew of Jew. Circumcised on the eighth day. 
studied under Gamaliel. Like I said, he was, there's a lot of theologians who believe that he was the leading example of a Jew of the time. One of the most intellectual gentlemen of the, the, the breadths and, and nuances of the law that maybe have ever lived. Saul was from Tarshish, and he hated the way, the, the Christian way. He hated the way with a passion. Why? Because the Savior didn't look like what he, t- what he was told to look like. Right? They all believed that the Savior was going to come and overthrow Rome and everything was going to be great and everybody's going to start getting positions and everybody's going to start getting authority. Everybody's going to start having crowns on their head and they were going to rule forever and ever and they were going to smite all the Gentiles and they were going to be at the end. Right? That's not entirely separate from where we believe in most of our Christian world where we're like, oh, okay, well, you know, Jesus isn't here yet, but whenever he does, everybody else is going to hell and thank God that I'm okay. So that's a side point. We'll talk about that later. But he hated the way, and he devoted his whole life to eradicating it. And all of a sudden, he gets met with this journey along the way. On a path, he was going to go hunt down more and imprison them and hopefully murder them. That he, get, he gets met with, with the Father and His love, and He blinds him. And it, the, the Word says, and it's very peculiar, it says that his eyes were open, but he couldn't see. And for three days he didn't eat, three days he didn't drink. He, was, he had all the ability to see what was going on, but God held his eyes to only let him be held around by a guy's hand. He had to be walked around. Guy by the name of Ananias comes in. God, God keeps waking him up, waking him up. And the weird thing is, so I kind of started studying on this. He, so Saul at this time, his name converted to Paul. But Saul at the time, he gets met on the road called straight. That's what the Bible says. He, the, the translation of the, road, of the road's name was straight. But if you actually bump into it and you go back to the Greek, it's, he was found on the road of abundance. And as he was met on the road of abundance, he started diving in. The guy Ananias, his name was uh, a basket or a, or, or a container. There was a container of grace that came on him on the road of abundance that he was found and was able to change his name from Saul to Paul. And where the Lord was, was taking me with this was, I was just kind of journeying with, with him in, in conversation. I was like, okay, well, what's the driving force about this? Because chronologically, it's a little bit weird to try to pin down which gospel came where and when. But most people believe that Galatians is really kind of the first one to come in, right, from Paul. That it was the first one. So there's a lot to learn from Paul's journey of his ministry without going to Galatians first and then going forward with all the other books. Right? So the backdrop of this, and there's several 
Galatians 4 is probably one of my most absolute loved passages of all the Bible. That needs to be just word because there's a lot buried in that. But the huge backdrop of, of where specifically Galatians is, Paul is confronted with this, this, this hard position of, do I hold to the letter of the law, all of the Old Testament, or do I go with this grace message that it simply just goes, look, if you know what you're supposed to do and you don't do it, it's sin. We don't need 650 fence laws. Our new covenant, our, the new way of life says, if you know what you're supposed to do and you don't do it, that's sin. So what, then what is our boundary line? Love your, Lord, love your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as you love yourself. I got into this at our house church, that the love chapter actually goes into that a lot deeper. You can't love your neighbor without learning how to love yourself first. So this is a little bit deviant. Go with me on this. If, if the word says that love holds no record of wrongs, right? Perhaps the reason that you can't love people rightly, for me, I'm having to discover this. The reason I can't love people rightly is because I hold records of wrong against myself. Right, that I can forgive everyone else, but there's a part of me that goes, man, I just, I just don't know that I can be as loved as I'm supposed to be because there's still that thing in me that I can't purge out yet. That's our commandments. Love him and love you the same way that I love myself. But I can't love you until I learn to love myself. So this whole thing of don't love yourself, you're dirty, you're wicked, your righteousness is as filthy rags if you're outside of Jesus. But inside of Jesus, we are the righteousness of God in Christ. So the more we think about ourselves as lowly, gross, dirty, it's actually contrary to the word that's spoken over you. We have to purge that. But this is where, this is where all the teachings start coming in with, with Paul getting conflicted on this thing and going, man, what do I do? I have a river that I have to cross, and I have to, I have to let everything go. If I went down this road, down this heresy, I don't know that I can ever come back. Right? And so God meets him. He blinds him. He shuts him down. He's, he's just a blind dude just walking around, can't do anything. And so I, there's a part of the gospel that, unfortunately, I, I feel like he's allowing A blinding to in our own eyes that we can see, we can operate, but we can't see anything outside of it until we come to the, the point of, of reconciliation of what are we going to do with the law versus what are we going to do with Holy Spirit inside of us that's active right now. And I, there's, there's a movement right now in the church to go heavily back to the Old Testament, go heavily back to the law. We start preaching and teaching out of the law and we're going to start going back to to, to all these other books, but we don't take hand in hand Jesus that we have eyes that are open, but we can't see. There's, there's a natural bend that we have to come to this confrontation, just like with Paul, of going, what am I going to do now in light of Holy Spirit and, and his, his availability to us? So I want to marry that with and this is where, like with our house church, we've been, we've been talking, we've been on this journey of the Israelites when they, when they, they left Egypt. Okay, so 
uh, they were Egypt before actually it was uh, bondage, it was salvation. Right? That where you have Jacob, he went and went there. It was salvation for him. He, he brought salvation to the whole nation of, of Israel before then for his, 12, for his brothers and his father. The problem is they stayed there too long. They had a word to leave and they stayed in, in, in what was providence for them. It became bondage because they didn't obey. So there's a captivity that comes in because one generation's forfeiture becomes another generation's captivity. If you don't fix the things that are in us, if I can't reconcile this nature of am I fully going to give over to Holy Spirit or do I want to keep going back and preaching the Ten Commandments to my kids and not, if you know what you're supposed to do, do it. And if not, it's sin, right? It's a whole lot easier to send them off to college with that, with that notion. It's a whole lot easier. They don't need to put it up on their walls and, and, and chant Hail Marys the rest of their life. Just If you know what you're supposed to do, do it. The end. And you're as righteous as God is because we're in the righteousness of God in Christ. It's Bible, right? But so they, they get into captivity. God comes and sends a, a, a savior in that time, if you will, of Moses. He raises it. God raises up Moses. They leave. All the wealth of Egypt is poured out on them to leave. Pharaoh says, go, get out of here. All the people pour all the stuff on them so that they will finally get out of there because they're just under one, one plague after another. They leave. They're found in the desert after leaving. God says, hey, look, here's the deal. If you'll ascend this mountain with me, I'll come be with you. Which is this, this crazy little journey. There's very, very few times in the whole word until Jesus comes that he says, I will walk among you today. Like, just, just tarry with me. And they go, nope, send Moses up there. We're cool right here. We don't need you. We just need this dude to go up there for us. Which is a picture of where we are in the church because we won't let him touch us. We send someone else to be touched, and then we just try to live off that touch. So they, they finally ascend up there. Moses sins, gets the Ten Commandments, then they fall back into sin. Forty years, they're wandering around in a journey that really should have taken them days. They're years. But his providence was still with them, right? Their clothes didn't wear out. How many of you have little kids that their clothes can't, stay, can't last a week? Right? But their clothes didn't wear out for 40 years. They finally get to enter into the promised land. Because the two guys who actually had faith enough to say, look, the things that are in the promised land are big, but they're not overcomable. They may be giants, but we've got God, right? That wasn't the whole, the whole story of the spies. They went out there and we were like, nope, these guys are too big. Once again, we're going to stay right here, even if it's in bondage, right? Because what did, what did the Israelites say? Why are we going to die out here in the, in the wilderness. We're free, but at least there were melons back in Egypt. Right? We don't have any water, Moses. Why did you bring us out here to die? You're free, but I don't have what, 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 I, what I thought it was going to look like at this point. It's not here. So let me go back to bondage, is what they were saying. 
So they finally get to the point where all the ones who, who believed in the lie had to die off. The young generation came in and they finally get to go into the promised land, right? And everything's told about the promised land that there is going to be full of milk and honey. You're going to capture these people. You're going to have houses you didn't build. And you're going to have wells that, weren't, that you didn't have to dig. Everything's great. Just go and capture it. Take it. I've already made it possible for you. They get there. They cross the Red Sea as they were going, right? God split the water. It was dry. It was miraculous. They get to another river. The half-tribe of Manasseh, Gad, and uh, Reuben stay on the east side of the river and say, nope, we're staying right here. It's lush. It looks good. I know that that's where we're supposed to go, but I'm not willing to cross another river. Unfortunately, Gad, Reuben, and the half-tribe of Manasseh were the first ones to fall into idolatry and start the downcline of Israel. Here's, here's the place for us where trying to bring it back home, okay? There's a river that we're, we're getting confronted with again. Today, tomorrow, as you sleep, as the Lord starts awakening your dream life and you start having these dreams about, my God, I've got this thing that, that's burning in my heart. What do I do about it? There's a river that he's going to ask you to cross again. And the fear is going, I've made it almost all the way, but I'm unwilling to cross the river again. We had a church split. I was part of a church. I gave my all to all this, and I did it again. I'm not going back there again. I'm just going to sit right here. Right, that, that I moved from this place internally where I trusted the Lord, and it didn't happen like I thought. And so I'm not crossing that. I'm not, not going to let him get that close again. Because I've got to cross another river. What if we die? What if it doesn't work out again? And I believe that there's a river that's coming. And I believe that there's a lot of us that's already here. That you're going to be confronted with. You can stay here and that's fine. And we'll give you a spot of land. But it will never be the grapes that are, that are carried on a man's shoulders. It will never be to the point that the milk flows and the honey flows from the earth. And the biggest vein for me in this, for, for, for Amy and I in our house, is now how do we operate with His love being enough? That if I cross over this river and all I have is his love, it's enough. Right? What, when the business doesn't look like it should, cross the river. Right? Whenever, whenever the kids are getting sick, the kids are acting up. Push in and cross over the river. And we're, if, I want, if I'm trying to draw it back to Saul, Saul is confronted with this river of going, 
But I'm comfortable with the law because the law at least helps, tells me what to do and where to go. I don't have to think about it. I don't have to pray about it. I don't have to feel about it. Right? That I can, I can look at a woman with lust, but as long as I don't commit adultery, we're good. Bible comes in and goes, no, if you've thought about it, you've already done it. There's a harder law on the other side of the river. The thing that's on the east side of the river is a lack of grace. And so the challenge where, where the whole backdrop of Paul, the whole backdrop of Galatians is a grace message of going, there's grace that's abounding for you today. That you don't have to live in the law. The, <clears throat> Paul, Paul calls it a taskmaster. That it sit there and whipped us into shape. Right? So there's a, there's a, there's a conflict in the church, at least in, for, for a, a lot of people, a lot of us, that goes, I can't be, I can't have these things because I should be giving it all away. Maybe, I don't know. What's Holy Spirit saying in you? Because he may be needing to, to birth it in you so that you can pour it out more and more. But the law will always keep you on the east side of the river away from abundance, away from grace, away from freedom, away from, from knowing that you're loved, right? So Paul's in this place of going, how can he love me that much and me still be who I am? Before we get into Galatians, I think the question really comes into, for me, if I cross over the river, can I still be Paul? Or do I have to lose a part of me? Paul found his, Paul found his, his everything inside of the law. That's who he was. If he crossed over that river, he was no more. And so there's times where There's times where we, we have to decide if my family doesn't agree with it, but I'm burning in my heart, is it better for me to stay on this side of the river in bondage? Or do I pursue what is available for us through grace and die again through the river? That was really what, what they were concerned about. How many more struggles do I have to get to? It's comfortable right here. Right, we've made it. We're almost there. As we go into Galatians, as we start opening up our eyes to grace, what I want to give an opportunity for is that continual asking of him as we're reading through Galatians 1, Galatians 2, Galatians 3. Getting into Galatians 4 poses a, a theological dichotomy inside of you. But it's beautiful. I encourage you, if you really want to jump ahead, go to Galatians 4. It's going to challenge you. But journey with us in this house. We, we call it a house because if it's a church, you can sell 
you can leave, you can do whatever. If it's a house, then there's a home, right? And if we're a family, we can move through this thing together, and it may not be as comfortable as I want it to be, but we're all in love with each other, and we'll make it across this thing. But I want to challenge you as we read through Galatians, ask yourself this question, do I believe that I'm as loved as Jesus is currently before I repent? Do I believe that there's enough grace for me before I repent? And do I believe that just like with Paul, the whole transformation for him had to come after Acts 2, right? There was no point of Paul pursuing the way if we didn't have the upper room situation, if we didn't have the upper room conversion in the new covenant come in, as we go, continue to ask yourself, and I just, I want to pray with for you guys, and then I'll just dismiss you, okay? I just feel like that's just where we need to be today. Holy Spirit, as we dive into you this week in our cars, in the showers, at work, on our drive, at home with the kids, Let us not be the people who stay back and say, man, it's scary. I don't want to have to go there. I don't want to have to risk looking like a fool or people knowing that I'm some weird whack job holy roller. I just want to be where you are. I want to let everything that you have for me in my life, in my children in my business, in my bank account, to operate with Holy Spirit. Full of grace, full of wisdom, full of truth, full of life. Striving, measuring up, having to be better, having to be further along than where I am. Can we leave it on the other side of the river and cross over into freedom? Pray healing, we pray, pray deliverance, we pray wholeness over everyone in here. As we go this week, as we celebrate the, the holiday tomorrow, if there is a... a a backdrop of love and the Holy Spirit come that you, you fill their houses. That there's just no more striving. It's all love. We thank you. We pray healing over Jeff and his house. We love you, Jesus. Amen. Thank you, guys. Remember, Wednesday night, we'll be back here. It'll be fun. Love you, guys.
This is a place of 